Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for everyone, and especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I am a spiritual engagement coordinator for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is Amanda Drury. Regular listeners to the show are uh, no uh, stranger to Amanda. She's uh, on the show often. Uh, She's also my dear wife and a professor of practical theology and youth ministry for the School of Theology of Ministry here at Indiana Wesleyan University. She's the author of a number of books, two of which are on the testimony and its necessity and fittingness and usefulness in youth ministry settings, and then a more recent book called Testimony and Trauma, which is unfortunately massively uh, expensive right now, but hopefully will go into paperback and be more affordable soon. Uh, so, But if anyone's listening and just has money to spare, you buy it in hardback, the more that it sells, the sooner it might go into paperback. So it'd be more affordable for everyone. But anyway, yeah, she is an awesome writer and thinker and preacher, my favorite preacher, and I am so excited to have her on the show to discuss Psalm 27, one of her and I's favorite psalms, Psalm 27 for the second week of Lent. As you're listening to the show, if you're enjoying it, uh, make sure to click on the share button on your podcast player app of choice so that you can pass this show along to others with a text message, an email, or social media just to get the word out about the show. Pretty much, we don't do any uh, sort of promotion schemes, at least not yet. Uh, We haven't gotten to that level in this uh, show, so word of mouth is the way that uh, it gets around, so... Uh, if you're willing to to get that, and if you're regular listening to the show, don't even wait till you're enjoying the episode. Just pause right now and share it. Uh, you don't even have to pause it. Actually, it'll keep running in the background while you share it. Uh, it'd be great for uh, more people to find out about the show if you think it's worth uh, listening to, as we uh, certainly hope it is. And uh, if you'd like to support the show financially, go to patreon.com slash fresh text and find ways to support the show. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Amanda. shall we? Sure. Awesome. Okay. Well, Psalm 27. Would you be willing to read the passage in a translation of your choice? Sure. This is from the NIV. And that's old NIV, I think. Right? It's the old NIV. <laughs> so they've come out with so many new versions now that yeah. it's inconsistent. All right. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. 
At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call you, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for all the ways that you have been our light and our salvation, that you have been the light of truth, that which signs, and the power of our deliverance, of our rescue. And so though we feel fear, the reasons for our fear are in truth undercut by your great light and salvation. So, Lord, we still feel afraid, and so we still need to hear the promise at the end of this psalm to put our hope in you, to be strong, to be bold, to be courageous. There's still something that needs to be done in our hearts, even if we know there's nothing to fear. And so, Father, we just ask that as we study this psalm, as we pray this psalm, as we live this psalm, that your hope will be at work in us, that we would not merely have belief in our minds that are true, though that's a really good start, but hope in our hearts. We ask this by the power of your Spirit and in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, what do you notice here? Well, the thing that I am just struck by is uh, you know, this is what the 24th of February when we're mm-hmm. recording this. And just with there being the invasion of Russia last night yeah, uh, in, into Ukraine, of every piece of this, I have a hard time reading this without my mind going to, to world events right now. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, th- are you thinking all of it, I suppose, but verse three in particular, probably yeah. triggered that yeah. a little bit, yeah. right? An army encamped around battle roused and the uh let's see here where is it too oh and then verse 12 to the false witnesses rising up against me breathing out violence just reading the charges of nazism and uh i don't know so much of this just just grabs my attention yeah sorry to swerve to the personal but i'm curious like have you always read scripture that way or did you become more like quick to feel like resonances with world events when you're reading scripture. I'm just curious. Or is that something that's shifted in you? Oh, I no, I think I think that's always been there. When I was younger, I think it was more more conspiracy based, you know, looking okay. for the secret codes. Looking Prophecy for- fulfillment and such. Okay. Yeah, and I, I don't but- even know that that was strong. It, it it was just it was more like a game looking for connections. Okay. Yeah, well maybe I wonder if 
I mean, I, we don't need to turn this into our just, uh, but you know, it's not a secret that we're married. Cause like, I just, I, I don't imagine when we were first dating, first married in our twenties of you making a connection like that. Huh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I just would imagine your, your heart and mind leading you elsewhere in, mm. a, in a text. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I probably maybe wasn't reading, we, I wasn't reading the news as often. I, maybe it's because we were just in college. Yeah. Nobody was paying attention. And we didn't have news channels going on all the time. Like I did growing up. Right. So it was, maybe it's because we, our relationship was forged during those weird four years when you don't know what else is going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. You're just yeah. kind of in an enclave. Right. That's, you know, oh, I, that's bet that's right. I bet that's right. I bet that's right. Because I know I got real politically interested and, and it wasn't always at the same time as you were. We, you and I have been like ships in the night with politics. Like when you're really like paying attention to what's happening in the world, I'm like, yeah, let's just pray. And, <laughs> and then we'll swap and you'll be like focused on yeah, you know, yeah. family and inner world. And, and I'll be talking about what's going on. In the world. You know what I mean? And now, maybe that's just a married thing, a over under function. Uh, right, right. Our, our eighth grader, Sam, he's been really yeah. into politics right now. I would be curious to see how he would interpret this text yeah. right now if he were to look at this tonight. Well, I think it's helpful because especially because this is a very beautiful and famous and very personal Psalm, it's always helpful actually to remember and pay attention to the public and even political character that these Psalms always inhabited, you know, even when it's an individual, maybe not in this case, we'll have to think about it, but the me has multiple layers. It's the, 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 I, the me, Hmm. the self of the Psalter can sometimes be thought of as a, as a collective singular, it's Israel, Hmm. you know? Or the the way that that collective singular is embodied in the king. Sure. Less so in maybe this psalm, although maybe this one is more royal than I noticed. There's some a lot of those famous royal psalms where it's like very explicitly like this is about, you know, the king going into battle and God protect him. Yeah, yeah. Or the me is very much that in the way it's narrated. And honestly, I didn't come in today with those connections in mind until huh. you mentioned them. Didn't even feel it when you read the, the, the verses that are obvious connections. And, and I'm so glad you did because, I mean, you know, half of this psalm is just kind of at least explicitly embedded in the conflicts of Israel, yeah, you know, yeah. and the way it's – these are probably – the enemies surrounding me are not probably in their first historical instance, you know, neighbors and frenemies. Right, you know, these right. Are, these are armies. The army of verse 3 camped against me is probably not figurative, at least – in its original meaning. Now, of course, this psalm continued to be prayed for hundreds of years and was in this canon long after Israel had its own standing armies. Right. So clearly it has other layers of meaning, but so I think it's really helpful to bring that up. Well, I'll, I'll add to a uh, slight side note. I was teaching Old Testament survey during the 2016 election. And so mm-hmm. in November 2016, I come into class on uh, November 9th when, you know, it's clear Donald Trump's going to be president and walked into the classroom and there was just this tension. Uh, this Nobody was talking. Mm-hmm. And we happened to be on the Psalms uh, that particular day. And we just paused and took the first 10 minutes and I had people choose a Psalm that could serve as their testimony for where they were at. So they didn't have to put it in their own they words. Didn't have to put and, their own words. Man. and the whole class was just one at a time, students standing up and reading a Psalm. And um, it, it was just, it was a really interesting way of allowing them to respond to what was going on without 
with, with some boundaries still in there. But mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you you find whatever you need in this book. Mm-hmm. These these psalms, there's something for everything. Well, you know, I like to say that the Bible is not a book; it's a library. And then within that library, you have at least one book that is itself also a library. <laughs> you know, I mean, it even is divided into five books. And then within those five books, almost every psalm has its own kind of life and logic. It's not a sequential. It's not a narrative. It's not a argument. It's not a, a a series of prophecies that build on each other. Each psalm stands alone and yet also is part of this larger voice. Hmm. Yeah. So that that was a very fitting exercise. And yeah, so I mean, I guess what I want to say is when I think of the Ukraine and then anywhere where strife is taking place, who are we praying this with and for? Hmm. Right? Or to use Bonhoeffer's question, who is Jesus Christ for us today? Hmm. You know? And, you know, is it because there's at least three ways to take it? One is me and my allies protect us against the bad guys. Uh huh. Or you could flip around and say, well, of course, then that'd be the second option is, well, isn't that what they would pray <laughs> against us and our allies? who to them are enemies and most invasions are justified by claims of injustice uh, mm-hmm. that need to be rectified, including invasions yeah. uh, committed by my nation. And then a third possibility that I'm drawn to, because I think there's some problems in either of those, because it's claiming that it's identifying Israel with another chosen nation. Sure. Whether that's America or Ukraine or Russia or wherever. My heart goes out to just the people on the ground who are going to suffer hmm. whoever's in charge. Yeah. You know, and I guess there's this old African proverb that one of my mentors taught me when the elephants fight, the ground suffers, hmm. you know, and that's this, it's the, it's, this is world intrigue, you know, poverty. I and mean, one of the highest, co- greatest causes of poverty in the world's war. I mean, it just, yeah, it just always leads to famine, degradation, even if in the long haul something is rectified, it's still it's just always bad news for the least of these. Yeah. He hides me in his shelter on the day of evil. He conceals me in the recesses of his tent on a rock. He raises me up. Lord, may it be so. I am struck by verse three, talking about this army that besieges me and how for David... You know, there were times when that army was his own people. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not just some foreign body coming in. It's the people that, you know, he believes he's even been anointed to lead. You know, later on, it's his own son, his own children. Yeah. So, yeah, boy. Of course, and I'm glad you say it, but it's quite striking how confident verse 3 is. Right? It's though a camp is marshaled against me, my heart shall not fear. Though battle is roused against me, nonetheless do I trust. You know? So, mm-hmm. like, for as the danger, the grave danger that this that this psalmist is in, this is an extremely confident psalm. Or is it a... Oh. <laughs> I, see, I, I read that differently. I read Talk it as, a, as yeah. a convincing myself. I will, you know... Talk, I'm going to talk myself through this. I will not fear. I will not do this. I will not do that. Sorry to jump back to the conflict here, but even the the Ukrainian, the leader of Ukraine, he had released some statement where the first the first line was no panic. 
<laughs> okay. No right. panic. You know, no this. When do you that, say no that? This. Because you need, you feel the desire to panic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mandy, you're so good. See, I'm really good at reading the lines. You're really good at reading between the lines and therefore <laughs> actually better at reading the lines because of course that's what's going on. Whom should I fear? Well, you only say that because you have a lot of people worth fearing, <laughs> right? I mean, even my prayer at the beginning uh, betrayed my tendency to try to wall off head and heart, you know, like, well, there's no reason to be afraid, but we still feel, you know, like, oh, feelings. Well, of course we have feelings, <laughs> but they're not true. You know, well, it's it- like, well, no, I, I think th- this is, this is a, the, the, the purpose of this Psalm is to rouse. It's, it's really maybe directed at that last moment, that putting, that, that putting the hope in the Lord. Right. Right. Which is also waiting for the Lord. Yeah. This is trying to rouse up some hope yeah. in the heart by saying it. Yeah. And I, I mean, because if it's if it's not, if David is truly without fear and he has confidence, then I have a hard time identifying with this psalm. This psalm isn't necessarily good news for me then. So that's helpful. That doesn't justify an interpretation because sure. it could just be yeah. that the psalm's irrelevant to you, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, but I still it's appreciate you saying that. Me. No, no, not just you, but anybody. Like, uh, oh, I can't connect with the character, therefore that's not a... Right. Well, it could just be that we could learn something from someone different. Than uh-huh, us. uh-huh. Having said that, I completely agree and validate what you're saying. And maybe one way to put it differently, not for your sake, because I'm sure you loved what you said, but for my sake (laughs) and for the range of listeners that exist between the two poles of our ways of reading, if he didn't feel that fear, he wouldn't need to pray the song. Yeah. Right. Like, what's the point of it if it's just... Right. If there's no movement of the soul. Right. Why... Lord, help me to breathe deeply. I'm only saying that because I'm having a hard time breathing deeply. Right, 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 right. So, and therefore, it is conveniently relevant then. (laughs) And I can identify with (laughs) it. Let's take a quick break and come back and explore some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Amanda Drury, and we're looking at Psalm 27. One of my all-time favorite psalms, and also, I believe, one of your favorites. It is. Yeah? It is. I think you're the one who turned me on to it years ago. I'm sure I was. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. You are. Um, let's zoom in on verse 4, and mm. if we have time, maybe look at verse 8 as well. But let's zoom in on verse 4 a little bit. But let me go ahead and, yeah, let me... Uh, let me, I usually read the passage again, but let me just read four sure. just very carefully and let's spend some time on it. One thing do I ask of the Lord. It is this that I seek, that I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the Lord's sweetness and to gaze on his palace. So what is it about verse four that's special to you? You mentioned that it was at the break. Yeah. Well, some of this is the connection too with the other Psalm. Um, The the better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, We we did that one together, didn't we? We did that one. Yeah. And, and I, those, those verses always go together for me in in Uh. my head. I, I jump back and forth between those two. Just this, the singularity of, of desire. I love this as a prayer too. When I, when I don't know what to pray, or I don't even know what I want even to just come back to this. Okay, Lord, let me dwell in your house. Let me dwell in your house. I don't know. It's, it's, it's helpful for me. 
since, you know, we're, we're coming back to me again and, and what <laughs> I want to know um, about you. It's great. Just <clears throat> this, the singularity of purpose and desire here. Now I do find it interesting. I was, I was listening to this being read this morning as I was getting ready and, you know, got through verse four, you know, one thing I ask, I want to dwell in your house so I can gaze in your beauty. And in my head, I was thinking, well, yeah. And also you're going to keep me safe from my enemies. And then we come down to verse five, you know, for in that day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. So that safety, that protection is certainly there, but it is secondary for David, at least Mm. in this passage to simply beholding the beauty of God. Yeah. I wonder if it's implied just building on that, working through the connection between the dwelling and the, well, since it's alliterative, it'll be more true, right? The relationship between the dwelling and the deliverance, right? Oh, it's not nice. terribly good. alliterative because of the, the DW. Dwa. It, wor- it works though. It works. Dwa. Dwa. I think it's so cool that English has that DW thing. <laughs> Isn't that weird? What's that joke? The, help me, I'm drowning. Close the Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Close the Dwayne? <laughs> Which it doesn't work because I didn't remember the first part. Of the show. Just the punchline <laughs> yeah, for you. Just the punchline, no setup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can cut that part. No, leave it. I love it. I love it. So, the dwelling and the deliverance, right? Yeah. So, is it implied, perhaps, that that there's a kind of covenantal negotiation with God here? Mm. I mean, sometimes it's more explicit. Save me, Lord, and I vow that I will come and give you a sacrifice, right? right? Right. And I wonder if, because this language of the house of the Lord and his palace, which, which is implying the, the, the temple, that there's a sort of implied, like, I don't mean like deal making in the, because it's not like he's striking a new deal. It's calling God to covenant faithfulness. God is committed to this. And so saying, God, save me. So that I can make it back to your temple. Cause yeah. that, that was yeah. one that shows up in the Psalms a lot is this yeah. kind of like, if I die out here on this battlefield, then that's one less time I'll be in the temple praising you, Lord. Right. So and your, kind of and your enemies will hold values. this against you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So at his tabernacle, will I sacrifice with shouts of joy? Oh, where's that? That's right afterwards. Verse, verse six. Oh, yeah. There it is. So sacrifices and his tent. Yeah, this is all this is all temple imagery, right? Right, right. In his tent or tabernacle, same. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And even that verb, let me offer in his... What do you have in verse 6? Uh, Can you read 6 for me? Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I guess part of the confidence that I was reading into might be because I, I took I took it for granted that people don't actually like sit down and write psalms while they're on battlefields. I assume they write them after. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like in the reliving. That's why the, the the tenses of verbs are always so funky in the psalms. Huh. You know, they often start out like I'm really freaking out, and then there's all this stuff about how, but you saved me, Lord. Thanks for saving me. And like one way that I've interpreted that, and I could be wrong, is there's a narrative to the psalm. It's being composed after the fact to sort of mm-hmm. sort of encapsulate the experience when they might have just cried out to God just with grunts and groanings, sure, sure. not with articulated, you know. Because I, I could see somebody literally on a battlefield saying, Lord, I, I want to make it back to your tabernacle. I promise. I vow right yeah, now yeah, that yeah. I'll, I'll give you a sacrifice, right? And then putting that in a more precise poetic form later. But, but I don't mean to deny the significance of it. 
Yeah. So, and then even like, so let's go back to that. So singleness of desire, singularity of desire. That's a beautiful image, by the way, that beautiful phrase, Mandy. Let's apply your insight from earlier about fear. Mm-hmm. Whom shall I fear implies I'm actually feeling afraid. Right. Well, does that mean that one thing I ask implies actually there is a duality huh. desire okay. here and there's okay. a, there's a, a desire to a desiring singularity of desire, hmm. but actually mm-hmm. aware that he's pulled in different directions. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe, um, maybe. Because when I ask this question, what's the one thing I'm asking for? What's the one thing I'm seeking? It's really hard to come up with one thing. Right. Unless I'm feeling particularly religious. You know, like, there's I have competing desires, right? Competing goods that I value. Yeah, yeah. Even one day in your courts versus a thousand even implies, oh, it's better, but I have other things I want to do. But that's the best, you know? It's much, much better. I'm aware of these other thousand days. Whereas this is just, there's one thing I want to do. Yeah. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord, behold the Lord's sweetness, gaze on his palace. What do you have in your translation? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That it, It's just so restful. It just sounds, you know, you let down your guard, you take a deep breath. It's very peaceful imagery. So is this peace that's being tasted in the in the moment, or is it peace that's being hoped for? Or do you sense there's even a little bit of a peace to remember what the one thing is? Well, I don't know because I'm I'm I never quite understand the ordering of psalms within a within a particular psalm. So nobody does. So verse, I mean, because <laughs> it's, it's this very peaceful image. You know, oh, there's there's joy here. I'm with the Lord. There's beauty. I'm safe. You know, my heart is seeking you. And then we get to verse nine. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Don't reject me or forsake me. <laughs> yeah. And it feels it feels a bit abrupt. And then verse 10, he's back again to, you know, you won't forsake me. But verse nine always seems a little bit jarring to me. Especially after eight, right? Yeah, of you, yeah. my heart said, seek my face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. It's like this. I mean, maybe it's perfectly parallel. If you think of four and five saying, I'm asking and seeking in the Lord, same verb again, seek, to dwell, behold, mm-hmm. gaze. Four, he hides me in his shelter. He conceals me. This kind of like the rescue is for the sake of worship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you get the same pattern maybe again in verse eight, and I'm seeking your face. Lord, I promise I'm seeking your face, but don't turn your face away, mm. right? May this desire, may this seeking of mine, this desire, this petition, may it be fulfilled. You know, it's almost yeah. like when I think of when Jesus in the Gospel of John talks about prayer, his instructions are always, you know, you will ask the Lord what you want, right? Uh-huh. You know, ask the Father whatever you want in my name. He will give it to you. That's the way he says it. And you almost get this, he's asking for what he wants, right? He wants right. to be with the Lord. And that's both a confident commitment and clinging, trusting the promises of God, that God also wants that. Hmm. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in this case, my will corresponds with your will. So my will be done too, because my will is that I get to see you. Yeah. And yet it's not happened yet. So I'm also begging you for it and hoping you don't change your mind. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. I agree that it's abrupt, but I, I wonder if the abrupt back and forth is kind of the flow of the the whole thing, you know? 
Sure. The point is that back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I am struck how David really does not have anyone other than the Lord that he appeals to for help. Hmm. You know, you think of smaller nations or lesser kings that are relying on neighbors or it's, he doesn't, he doesn't have that. He, hmm. he has this clear sense. It's, it's, it's God above me and that's it. Hmm. Oh, let's think about that. So immediately as you share that, a couple things come to mind, if I may share. The first is that characteristic of David, both in Psalms, but also especially in the first and second Samuel would be a positive trait that would want to be lifted up later because the prophets were so annoyed with this, all these treaties, you right, know, making treaties right. with Egypt and all that. So you could see why that would be a significant thing to remember. Bob, but David, our father, David, he didn't make any of these treaties. He, right. he just relied on the Lord. So I feel like that would be an important part of the David tradition is to remember his hmm. singularity of heart. Sure. So that was the first thing that came to mind. The second was God blessed him and his progeny. And it starts with him because Saul was located elsewhere with, with a almost siege proof, fantastic capital city. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Up on that mountain, yeah. you yeah. know, and you can see why there's so many Psalms praising this mountain because that's not just a supernatural awareness of God's presence there. It is that, but it's also this sense of like, wow, we must be supernaturally blessed because we have been mm -hmm. the biggest empires come after us and can't get us until Babylon. It doesn't happen. You know, like the Assyrians can't take them out because it's just a really hard mountain to take. Yeah, <laughs> it's up yeah. on a mountain and it's just all the way up. And, and that's why I wonder, I mean, even though this is a, a, a Psalm in honor of David, but of course, all the kings after him are Davidic kings. So that's also meant to be relevant to any king. Sure. Um, southern kingdom. The camp marshaled against me in verse three. Could it also be a siege? Like imagine, you know, Hezekiah in the temple, you know, praying this yeah. psalm. Yeah. You know, it's just a fun image to you know, think. And side note, it does make me wonder too, <clears throat> if any of this David is thinking of literally creating a literal temple for, for God. Because we know that was something that he had wanted to do, right, he longed right. to do, but was told, you know, no, this isn't, this isn't for you to do. And I wonder if there's a way to read it in there in terms of his own just earthly kingly desires to create this place yeah. well with the Lord. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, it's interesting. Let, let's, let's look at that a little bit because it's relevant to even to the interpretation of the psalm that the word temple does not, in fact, appear in this text. Okay. Your, your translation, okay. if it does, does yep. is being yep. cute. Uh, uh -huh. Where so is it? <clears throat> my, verse four, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Yeah. So here's a little, little footnote. It's not the word temple. It's the word for palace huh. or great house. I mean, it does. It's referring to the temple. I'm not denying that, but it's an interesting word choice because the notion is that God is in the palace or court of God is in heaven. Right. Right. But then he also has elected to also have an earthly palace. Hmm. And that palace is the temple in Mount Zion. But prior to that, it's the roving tent or tabernacle, which is referenced in five, verse five and verse six, which actually would fit the original context then of David prior to the construction of the temple. Yeah. I want to do sacrifices in the tabernacle. 
Mm. That's where he would have still been doing sacrifices. Now, I'm not meaning to say that the temple isn't being referred to here. Obviously, these terms all get become to be used as synonyms for the temple. But the fact that actually the actual like sort of technical term yeah, doesn't appear yeah, as, is, is a yeah, little interesting that to is, me. That is. Um, I'm actually going to double check myself and make sure I didn't just totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it is the word that becomes temple, but, uh, but yeah, it means a palace or a courtyard, you know? So, I mean, like they're still using this term, like, I mean, the, it, it, it starts out, it's, it's used 80 times in the Bible and the very first usages are all in first Samuel one and three when there's no temple yet. Hmm. So like, it doesn't have that rigid, narrow sense of temple. Okay. Okay. Obviously it comes to mean that, right? Sure. But like, I mean, here's an example. So first Kings 21, Jezreel, isn't this the Naboth, the Nabal, the, what's that guy that you like? Naboth? <laughs> Naboth's vineyard. <laughs> Naboth's vineyard. It's in Jezreel yeah, next yeah. to the palace of Abraham. Same word. Uh, palace of Ahab. Okay. Same word. Palace. Right? And I think that's on purpose because now, but notice singularity of desire, Mandy. Not rescue me so I can go back to my palace. Mm. Right? Right, right. And that, that palace imagery is on, on purpose because there's two palaces in Mount Zion. Yeah. There's the palace of the earthly king and then there's the palace of the heavenly king. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Right? That's good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You were you started laughing or thinking of something. Oh, I was laughing thinking about reading about Naboth's vineyard and how we were reading that two days ago. And we've got Ahab who's sulking in bed and and Sam interrupted. And then his wife said, let's go kill some prophets for fun. And then that'll cheer you up. And then there's the next verse. Then his wife came. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. That wasn't relevant. No, no, no. But was my word was my word study that relevant? I don't know. I mean. Just because it's fancy word study doesn't make it more relevant. I love it. <laughs> well, we've definitely revealed to our listeners that we're those like geeky parents who like read the Bible at home at dinner. But you know what? Half the nights we don't. And the other half, they half the time don't pay attention. <laughs> and I'm always surprprised by what does grab their attention. You know, I cannot predict totally it. Totally into like, that this, story. This one's going to be a great one. And they just, it doesn't <laughs> land at all. Like stuff that we find really special they well, just could care less there's violence it helps i think you're right <laughs> <laughs> we say as the enemies in camp uh-huh. all right well let's take a quick break and explore some sermon starters and we're back welcome back to fresh text i'm here with my guest amanda drury and we are looking at Psalm 27, Psalm 27. This is for uh, one of the weeks of Lent. Let me double check which. This is for the the second Sunday in Lent. Second Sunday in Lent. We don't have to, this would be anyone who's studying or preaching this Psalm at any time of year would be relevant, but I thought I'd just mention the where this is assigned in, in the sequence that we're following this year. But yeah, well, let's explore some sermon starters. Where, uh, where would you where would you go? Where would you focus? We kind of went a whole bunch of places, which is great in our discussion, but what would be the focus uh, or the theme? What would be the heart of a sermon you would want to preach on this text? Yeah, yeah. I think I would come down to this singularity of purpose, this desire, the steadfastness, the permanence of the dwelling place of the Lord. That everything, everything passes, that that when you know, when things are going really bad. You know, nothing can save you except for this this place. Uh, but also, if things are going really good too, 
there's still the sense of um, this is the one thing that's going to last. Oh, my mind keeps going to First Corinthians 13 mm. in terms of, you know, these three remain. The greatest of these is love. I don't know why, why my mind's going there. But there's something about, about the permanence, about all things passing away, uh, the stuff that both threatens you and the stuff that you think shores you up and protects you aren't what we make them out to be. I mean, I love it. I, I think that's exactly where, I don't know if I've preached a like sermon in a kind of in worship setting mm-hmm. on this text, but I have used this text in teaching and meditation many times and centered on verse four and on that very question. What is the deepest desire of your heart? What's the thing that drives you above all else? What is the one desire that brings with it then the other things that you want? You know, but all all yeah. that we want are they means to a singular end? Yeah, yeah. Or are we driven in lots of different directions? And I, and I think I'd camp out on that question. You know, what is the one thing that you desire more than anything? And and we know that the what the right answer is supposed to be the dwelling place of God, but we don't always feel that way. And so rather than just saying, you know, no, that's wrong, but to to, to camp out there and actually play it out. Okay, what is the one thing you desire? Oh, well, honestly, if I'm being honest with myself. I'd love a larger bank account. I want this or that, this or that. And to actually camp out there and to play it out. Like, okay. Okay, but why do you want that? Why, why do you want that? You know, Okay, it, Socrates. Yeah, play it, it out and, and allow, allow to see just how, how, how meaningless it, it gets or how it, there's, there's nothing or permanent meaningful. there. Or meaningful. Play okay. it out. Why, okay. do you, why do you want a bigger bank account? Because I want to be safe and not you know, be out on the street mm-hmm. with me and my family. I want to provide for my family. Okay. And why do you want to do that? Because I love them and I want to be with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're getting nearer to hmm, something to that actually you drives yeah, you. Yeah. But then recognizing back to your permanence question, you know, I can't absolutely protect my children and I can't always be with them. I will at the very least eventually die. Right. So mm-hmm. there's that recognition that, okay, but there was something true in that. What was it? It was yeah, being yeah. with. So being safe in order to be with. And maybe this is too cute to behold, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want to see my children mm-hmm. be happy, right? You know, I don't necessarily need them to always be paying attention to me. Sure, yeah. I want to yeah. pay attention to them as they enjoy this world, right? Right. Okay, well, now we're getting in the vicinity of the verbs in verse four. It's just redirected towards the Lord as our one true father and yes. family, right? Yes. So to dwell with and to behold. So, I mean, I, I agree you could run it either way. I think both and both ways would be valid to kind of, identify the futility of the desires that mm-hmm. drive us, but also to identify like the that. finite goods, like but that. they're finite. So yes. it is, it is futile too, but not because it's an evil desire. Yeah. Yeah. Be just because it's finite desire. And so it doesn't satisfy the infinite longing of our hearts. Yeah. And I love those places too, where you can, you know, not shame someone for whatever it is they have welling up within them, but allowing them to see something deeper and truer within that to affirm some yeah. base desire that's in there, but help that help name what it is that's actually that that desire is actually uh, yearning for. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I said, "Oh, you're doing Socrates," is to kind of ask, "Okay, that's what you want. Okay, why do you want that? Okay, mm-hmm. and then why mm-hmm. do you want that? And then why do you want that? Right? To try to uncover a larger end that's driving the other things, and that the things we regard as ends are actually just means, and they could be poorly chosen means." Or we could be disordered such that we treat those means as ends, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So two little 
twists I'd like to introduce to this sermon starter that I'm getting very excited about. I do love this text and would love to preach on it. Just two little twists I'd want to throw in, if I may. Yeah, do um, it. One is a connection, and then the second is a problem. Okay. Okay, so the first, the connection is... I would love to preach a sermon that puts this next to Jesus' prayer in John 17, especially verse 24. Okay. Where he says, Father, I desire, and this is my favorite verse in the entire Bible. It's like my life verse. I love it. So, Father, I desire that those you have given me would be with me where I am, Hmm. That they would behold mm. my glory, which you gave me, because mm. you love me before the foundation of the world. So see how that maps yeah. on to verse yeah. four. Yeah. One thing do I ask of the Lord. Yeah. It is this that I seek. Father, I desire. So only time he uses fellow in that whole verse, desire or want, just simple, simple want, mm. usually asks in the rest of John 17. So that verb only appears oh, once interesting. in that. In that. So it's almost as if maybe this is the base level one okay. and all the things he's asking are means, which is true because earlier he asks that he would keep them in your name while they're in the world. Well, that's a temporary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But this, the, then he gets down to bedrock desire in verse 24. So one thing I ask of the Lord is this that I seek slash father concerning those you have given me. I desire back to Psalm 27 that I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Mm. John 17, that they would be with me where I am. And who is he other than, you know, he is with the father and he is the very tabernacle of God's spirit. Back to Psalm 27, to behold the Lord's sweetness and to gaze on his palace. John 17, that they might behold Hmm. the glory which you've given me because you love me for the foundation of the world. I feel like that would be, now that's just the out, that's just the skeleton for any of our listeners you need to develop that and make it your own. But they do kind of mutually interpret each other in a nice yeah, way. There's yeah. basically kind of two elements. There's dwelling and there's beholding or there's being with, be with and behold, mm. which are conveniently alliterative as this kind of fundamental desire yeah. that drives and everything else subordinate to that. Oh, and I'd love to see those side by side next to each other. If, and it just if you are preaching that way up on a, up on a screen, if you, exactly. if you use screens, but to allow to see the, the connections mm-hmm. there. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. And what I hadn't thought of, I thought about that connection before, but I, I don't know if I've ever shared it publicly. So yay. But then the, the fact that the rest of the prayer is about protecting them mm-hmm. perfectly fits yeah, the song. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so yeah. you bring that into. So that's my kind of pitch. Oh, that's I, what love I, that. I love that. I love that. So now you not have to help me find the, the opening and the conclusion, the parts that I'm terrible at. <laughs> Getting people interested and actually applying it to your life. But I can do the middle part. The middle part's my favorite part <laughs> of the sermon. <laughs> I'm terrible at those other parts, but yeah, so that's that. And we can come back to it if you want. Can I introduce my little problem or did you wanna did you wanna run with that connection a little bit before I introduce my trouble. Oh, I'm, well, I'm just struck by how all of that is going on, that prayer, pulling these in conversation with each other right before he's killed. <laughs> That's my problem. That was the problem. Yeah. Is I'm going to say, yeah. how is this a Lenten Psalm hmm. verse four? And I think it is. I think it's just worth probing. This is a one thing I seek. Like the, yeah. I think of, and it's fitting this year, if you are a lectionary preacher, even if you're not, if you've been preaching in Luke at all, Lent begins with right after Transfiguration Sunday and with in Luke, and it is Luke this year in the lectionary, so we're near C. Mm-hmm. 
Lent begins then after Transfiguration with Jesus setting his face on Jerusalem, okay. which is where the temple is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But we discover that it's the temple of his body yeah. that will ultimately be us. We are his body, his temple. And so, like, that he's got his, he ha- he's singularly focused. Right. Is a thing. The singularity of desire is like the driving impulse of Lent yeah. and of Holy Week and of Christ's death. And it's part of why we fast. Yeah. Like, it's not because this stuff is evil. It's because we have good desires that become distractions from the one desire. Mm. And, what, and what does it mean that your one desire, the one thing you long for, the one thing that you ask for leads to the cross? That the, the safety, the beauty that you desire is, is, through, is through the cross. Notice you, it, you said it two different ways, and they're both important. It leads to the cross. And through the cross. And then you switch to huh. through. But I think you have to say to first. You can't just say through, like, oh, I'll, I'll suffer this so that I can get the good stuff on the other mm-hmm. end. Right? Because the beholding, especially in the Gospel of John, the dwelling, the being with and the beholding is happening at the cross. You don't have to wait. That is his glory. Okay. His glory isn't at his resurrection. He's already glorified in his death. So it has to be to the cross, but then also through the cross. Not, but if you just say through, then you just, you just kind of yeah. skip over that too quickly. Here's now where I pull in verse eight with this. Yeah. It's one thing to desire this or to name it. It's the other thing then to actually go go through with it, to set your face towards it. So I always found it was interesting that he would say, you know, my heart says of you, seek his face. And then he adds, uh, your face, Lord, I will seek. Mm. <laughs> it's not just my heart says this. It's not just I have this desire. It's that I'm, I'm also going to do it. Well, this maybe comes back to your reference to 1 Corinthians and love. Because what is love but the union of yeah. desire and will? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, your your heart might say this. Volition Great, but, but, that, but that alone, right? I both <laughs> clanging symbols. <laughs> I both want it and I choose it. Yeah, but in that order, you got to want it. It's not just this duty that you're bearing. It's the duty is driven by the underlying desire, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So you need both pieces. Oh, Mandy, I don't know if I've ever seen why that double. Well, is it's there. it's always bothered me until and now. now I didn't see sense. it until until now. But it also links really good with Luke 9, verse 51. Hmm. He set his face on Jerusalem. Yeah. Face. Yeah. yeah. Because it is, it actually, the, the grammar of verse 8 is really weird. Of you, my heart said, seek my face. Wait, well, is it my face? Me, meaning my heart? It's talking about me? <laughs> or is it talking about God's face? Well, it is. It's saying that God is speaking in my heart, Right. Yeah. But yeah. it's both my face and his. That's the face is implied back with behold and gaze back in verse four hmm. are things you do with your face, with your eyes, your whole face though. Right, right. I love that. Desire and choice or will. Resolve. Resolve. I like that actually. Resolve. Well, you just figured out how if we want to riff off my sermon a little sermon pitch, uh-huh. this is how you land the plane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is the call to action. Yeah. Yeah. You don't just want it, you resolve after it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you don't just ask you seek you don't just desire you pursue right you know and, right. and you can tell i'm building a not just this but that you could do a bunch of those sure just as a crescendo in the sermon hey this is a fun sermon yeah you should write it and preach it i think i think you just did oh okay yours will be better though <laughs> no I, I i love that connection with jesus prayer 
Yeah, what I'm saying is you go write that sermon with a great intro <laughs> that I don't have. <laughs> it's a body in search of a connection point, mm. you know? So, hey, thanks, Mandy. This was great. Yeah, I always love interpreting you. scripture thanks, with you. John. Can I do something weird at the end? We have a, a couple minutes and sure. we can pull it off. This land, I, I don't know if I've, I'm, I don't know if I'm doing it every week, but I've been uh, chanting some of these psalms. Mm. Can I chant some or all of it? Yeah. Is that all right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? When evildoers come upon me to eat up my flesh, it was they, my foes, my adversaries, who stumbled and fell. Though an army should encamp against me, yet my heart shall not be afraid. And though war should rise up against me, yet I will put my trust in him. One thing have I asked of the Lord, one thing I see. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the fair beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. You speak in my heart and say, seek my face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not your face from me nor turn away your servant in displeasure. What if I had not believed that I should see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? O tarry and await the Lord's pleasure. Be strong and he shall comfort your heart. Wait patiently for the Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as was always before, so now and evermore. Amen. Thanks, Mandy. It's good being with you. Is that the whole thing? No, I cut some parts. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. Well, it's a long psalm. It's a long psalm. Like, where's my favorite part? No. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks all listeners. Appreciate you so much. Uh, thanks to Todd and Eric for their production work. Can't imagine doing this show without you. Uh, thanks to all our uh, patron saints who support the show. Uh, if you want to become a supporter of the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways that you can support the show. And with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>